Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey y'all, Catherine here. I am Christy Luss again for the intro this week. Uh, we just, there's a lot going on. It's kind of spring season. You all know how it goes. Lots of events going out the door. So uh, we are just struggling to connect outside of our podcast recording time. But we have a great episode today with Amanda Nauman, who she and I have been texting a lot about things that come up with uh, the women's field and coverage and equality. And we were texting actually all week, all week, or all day Sunday during Mid South of what was happening and kind of insights onto the course. So it's been really fun having, getting to know Amanda in that capacity. She obviously had a great career. She still races some, but had a great career as a gravel and a cyclocross racer and is great at helping people break down what they need on um, a ride. And then also, I've really appreciated the way she has been highlighting and thinking about the women's field lately and asking some tough questions on her podcast, Grodio, um, to how do we make the women's feel better? How do we get more sponsorship? How do we get more opportunities for women? And and that made me think, just as I'm going into this intro, I promise I won't ramble long, but um, sometimes people say, nobody cares, like, who cares about the pros? Like, why do we talk about the pros? And we really want this podcast to be stories of everybody's everyday and epic adventures. But I do think there's something about the the pro field that really can inspire other women. And that we as women should be supporting these women as, as they are doing their jobs. Because often they don't get as many sponsorship opportunities. They don't get as many opportunities for media spotlights. Um, but two quick stories. So you've probably heard this one, both of them before actually. But um, when... I got into gravel, it was because my friend Lauren was uh, racing Unbound, which at that time was called Dirty Kanza. And she started racing, bike racing, actually, because she heard a podcast with Allison Tetrick and was like, oh, I think I want to do that. So picked up a bike for the first time since she was a kid and nine months later finished the 200 mile. And she went on to win like a bunch of bike races in the local area and, and be a really good cyclist. Um, so that power to inspire people to like kind of take on big goals. I love that, that the pro field can do. 
I also love having examples for future generations. And you all have heard me talk about my niece before, but I just love that she looks to Kate Courtney. Like she'll ask me to see Kate Courtney reels because she sees this woman that's doing these, you know, crazy things. And she sees that maybe I could be that. And so I do think we need to share the stories of the women that are racing at the pointy end because they uniquely are in a situation and have often the platform to inspire the next generation and inspire us to get off the couch and do whatever adventure we have in mind. So that's my little side of why we have this conversation and why we talk about it so much. But if you are looking for an adventure where you don't have to uh, race anybody, I want to invite you again to come join us in Bentonville, Arkansas. We're about eight weeks out from the Gone Graveling Festival and it's going to be a really great weekend. It's May 11th through the 13th. If you haven't seen, we're starting to put out our workshops on social media and on the page. So if you go to girlsgonegravel.com and go to festival, you can see all the workshops. Like it is up a notch this year. And um, Amy's working with this amazing chef that we're going to have that's going to be doing our dinners and our lunches. So think everything is going to be, it's going to be a really great weekend of hanging out in Bentonville. So I would love for you to come join us. It's not too late. All right. I'm going to stop talking and get onto the podcast with Amanda Nauman. Yay. (laughs) I know it's like old times. (laughs) Okay. I have to admit today's guest. I've started to feel like I'm a little bit of a stalker because I'll listen to her podcast and I'll be like, I like that point. And I'll just start talking to her. Like we were like, we were talking in the podcast, but we weren't. So Amanda Nauman either thinks I'm very weird or she appreciates the commentary. I'm not sure which. (laughs) Welcome, Amanda. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) I didn't know if you want me to say hi. I'm here. (laughs) You're here. Hello, everyone. (laughs) We've got Panda in the house. (sighs) Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the feedback. It always, I don't know, podcasting, I'm sure you guys know. Sometimes it feels like you're talking into a black hole. You're like, is anybody listening (laughs) to this? Hello out there. I did ask Tim one time if he ever listened to the podcast and he's like, I listen to you when you record them. I'm like, mm. <laughs> that's one side of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the same, Dave. <laughs> that's but. funny. Uh, Amanda, we, we had you on, you were, I think one of our first 10 guests on the podcast. So that's going to be coming up on three years. Yeah. Was that 2020? Like right when the pandemic happened or before? It was, it was right. Yeah. We started oh, the podcast okay. right after the pandemic happened because we kept talking about when Unbound was going to happen for the delayed. I don't even, can we not go back to those memories? Let's just like, <laughs> how crazy is it those three, three years ago? Like I mind know. blown, mind I know. blown to think that. <laughs> well, and especially in the early days of the pandemic, because they were saying, oh, this could take like three to five years to resolve, you know? And so, because we didn't know the vaccines would get developed so quickly. So I, for one, am thankful for where we are three years. I did have a very big COVID plus that I don't know if else has happened. Like, well, no, not that, but this just happened. Like, yes, like today I had bought a really cute pair of shoes right before the pandemic hit. And totally forgot about them because I had nowhere to wear them for a full year and found them the other day. I was like, Oh my God. It's like, I bought these shoes three years ago and they just (laughs) came out of the box. (laughs) Wait, are they still in style though? 
Catherine, you don't okay, make yeah. style. <laughs> Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> Do you know who my husband is? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, they're in style, but they they may be bordering on the borderline. But I'm going to just bring them back. So anyway, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. So three years ago, Amanda, you were still very much racing and trying to get this event Mana Tough off the ground. And it seems like in the last three years, you've gone through a pretty big shift in some of your focus where you're not racing as much anymore. You're doing a lot more camps and building Mammoth Tough and also doing some commentating and behind the scenes at events. Tell us, tell us what's happened in three years. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it a lot this weekend in Arizona. Cause I mean, normally I'd be getting ready to go to mid South and doing all of that. And I had an interview with Betsy Welsh before Mammoth Tough last year. And she was kind of like very nicely like, so what are you, what's next, Amanda? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I mean, really, the last time we kind of talked about you was like Mid-South in 2020. And then like you did excel. And then that was kind of it. I was like, thanks. Thanks. I read it's super harsh, but I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for the reality check. Um, But I mean, anybody knows it better than her about kind of results. And I guess where I was at with all of that and racing and she, I guess, had her finger on the pulse of like, well, maybe Amanda's going to shift some things around. And she was definitely right. So yeah, doing Mammoth Tough, I think was something that we always wanted to do and be able to share all of the things that Dave and I love about gravel with other people, specifically Southern California. Um, And so as I started racing less, or I guess more started enjoying it less, to be honest, (laughs) Um, I figured like this is kind of the perfect time to start sharing more of everything that we've learned along the way. And I think one of the ways that Dave and I have kind of framed it is like we made a ton of mistakes for a decade and we wanted to be able to share all of that stuff on how not to do what we did for a decade and kind of get into the space with Um, some advice and some tips on how to be successful kind of straight away. So that kind of started with the event and that thought process. And we had always wanted to do camps, but it was kind of like two years of we need to get this event going before anybody's going to believe that we can do this other stuff. Um, So yeah, that was kind of the, the framework to, to getting to where we are today. I love it. I mean, it's such a natural progression for you. Um, Obviously, I've known you as a coach in in the camp space because you've been with us at Unbound Gravel. I think last year was the first year you hadn't been here for a while, um, and you're coming back this year as one of our coaches. Um, But getting to watch um, just your interaction with campers and being able to see your expertise shared um, it's just a very natural progression for for you from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. And I, yeah, I was talking to Ben Delaney this weekend too. He was over in Arizona and he was like, what, what are you doing? What's next? And um, yeah, I was kind of explaining to him that like bike racing is a very selfish endeavor and you're doing it like solo by yourself with your people for however long. And it's just very, very like performance focused for a long time. And it's also a very like lonely endeavor as well. It can be, you know, cause I was telling him, like, if I was here to go race right now, I'd go do a pre-ride by myself or with Dave or with like a couple other people. 
come back, check in and like sit at a house by myself and get ready to do to race the next day, you know, and it's not as social or as as personal with other people as I always kind of wanted it to be. And that that aspect of like traveling around and getting into bike races very early on, like that was the whole reason why I did it was the social part. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember when I started working at Felt Bicycles, like I would be online, like Googling Grand Fondos to go to. So I could like go meet other people that rode bikes, you know, like that was always a big deal to me. And that like being able to share that experience with other people and somewhere along the way that just got a little bit less important. And I think I realized that that also took some of the joy out of it for me. So doing more of the camps and honestly doing stuff with like the riding camps for CTS and having the chance to do the camps with Unbound, all of that stuff really reminded me that those smaller intimate groups and being able to share that experience with other people was kind of the the reason why I started doing all this and it wasn't like chasing results and all of that. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> I love that. And then I noticed you also have gotten into uh, commentating a bit, but more on the like behind the scenes. So you've done several Belgian waffle rides where you've been either on the moto or you've been out in the course and you've been covering things on the, the lives. How did you get into that? And what's the interest there? Yeah, I would always with cyclocross, I was always the one like live tweeting, like back when like tweeting was a thing. Everybody was like paying attention on Twitter a little bit more. And I was always a fan of like getting race information out there as it was happening at nationals and whatever big events that I was at. So I've always enjoyed like sharing that story and making sure other people knew about it. And I think I forgot how the North Carolina one happened in 2021, but Pure Gravel had asked me to do it probably because of Grodio and just having that connection. And I had talked to them a little bit about Grodio and stuff in the past, and they were the first ones to give me the opportunity. And at the time, they were kind of the media entity helping Belgian Waffle Ride. And that has since changed, but that was kind of the first intro to it and having that opportunity to talk a little bit more about the women's race. And I think... Belgian Waffle Ride has always had, I would say, more negative connotation about how they've treated the women's coverage, how they've treated women, period. And that's mm-hmm. in complete honesty, like they haven't been the best at it. And because of that, I think they're trying to change it a little bit. And so we had a lot of conversations about how do we do this right? How do we showcase them? Um, and what is the best way to go about that? And it was kind of cool to be involved in it because I, you know, in all honesty, in 2016, when I won in San Diego, there was like nothing about my race whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. And so the way I've always tried to frame it is like, what would I have wanted if I was at the front of that race and had the chance to have somebody else showcase it for me? So that was how I treated North Carolina. And that was how how I treated um, this past weekend in Arizona was like, if it was me at the front, if it was me in this mix, like what would I want other people to see about the race and about who all of these women are? So that um, I think is why they enjoyed having me along for it is because I I bring a different perspective than just, I don't know, a journalist, I would say. <laughs> Although the journal journalists do a great job, but I think also having that, that perspective of having been in it, I think uh, brings a cool, a cool outlook, I think. Honestly, uh, you're why I tuned in. So, uh, to the, to the race this weekend was because you were covering it and it's, 
I mean, believe me, like I, what you say about VWR is hundred percent true. That's something that they've been working on, obviously. And watching kind of some of the feed coming up to it, I was like, once again, the women aren't featured on the feed as much, but I was like, Amanda's going to crush this coverage. Um, and I actually thought your coverage was better than, than the men's coverage. It was super great, really well done. Um, totally could tell what was going on. It was really fun to watch. Um, yeah, it was, and it was, it was also fun to see the interviews from the finish line with you because you also know these women as competitors. Um, so you're able to really speak to them at a level that I don't think we get to see very often. It was, it was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. It was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I like during it, like Sarah Sturm messaged me, Kate Courtney started following the feed Courtney McFadden, all of these racers that knew all the other racers and people, women were chiming in like, this is awesome. And I was like, perfect. This is all I need was all of the other women saying that this is what we want. Because like I said, that was why I did it was like, how could I or what would have been the ideal scenario for me if I was in that position? Like, I would want as many people to see it as possible (laughs) and like click on the tags and go to these people profiles and follow them, like follow the women because they don't get as much love as the men ever and so it was a cool chance also to to see them give the women the belgian waffle ride uh account as well so they put the women on the account that had thirty thousand followers and they put the men on the one that had like less than two so that that was also awesome because they were like well let's just give them the bigger platform and that will probably be the case for throughout the rest of the other events is my guess um good but yeah yeah they're trying they know they know they haven't done a great job in the past and they're they're trying to give them the stage that they deserve. Awesome. Will you be doing other of their events? I think so. I might I might do San Diego because it's close, but the other ones that would have to fly to, it's gonna depend on their budget and stuff. I know how that is, but um but yeah, it was it was good. Good trial run, test run for this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean San Diego would be huge, right? Because it's the OG to have. Yeah. A, a woman really out there and I think that's the one that probably let's gets campaign most. for panda I know what can we do let's send that <laughs> everybody stop right now and go send BWR messages and say we want Amanda Panda to do the coverage <laughs> at all the races so put the budget in guys <laughs> thank um, you <laughs> curious because you you think a lot about the business side of things and right you've been an unbound winner um and you've probably seen like one of the things we talk about is there's so much equal opportunity in gravel right there's equal price purse there's um people like christy that have advocated for women for so long but at the same time like even though there's an equal price purse they're not getting equal sponsorship like i'm sure you didn't get the equal sponsorship dollars that whoever the guy winners were in your years and you've been talking a lot about um how that can change, like women getting more followings, more eyes on them, especially with the Lifetime Grand Prix series. So I don't know, I'd love for you to share a little bit of your experience and what you think we need to see happen to bring the women up um, in that elevated level. Yeah, I, it's, it is a lot on the fans for sure. And it is a lot on having enough stories out there to give reason to, to, to give people a reason to follow along. And that could be an argument from people now, audience members, anybody that's paying attention to the space, they could say, well, like, why should I follow all these women? There's not much of the storytelling around it. Or 
I don't even know what's going on, so it's not worth my time to follow. Whereas there always seems to be some sort of storyline with the men, for instance. And I think the more that we can tell the stories and show the stuff like we did in the Lifetime Grand Prix series and being able to show behind the scenes a little bit more, that's that makes it all worth following. And having the narrative is, I think, the, a big part of it. Because, quite frankly, before it's just like, oh, the women race. They have this race. Sometimes one woman gets away. They have a 30-minute lead. There's no story there. It's like, yeah, somebody got away and whatever. But now that we have series in different places and riders can choose where they're going and kind of tell their own story through all the opportunities that they have to race it makes it worth following them so i think the more that we can push as much as it's also an eye roll as much as we can push people to to follow all of these women on instagram and any of their other social media platforms like it is truly a big talking point in sponsorship conversations is like how much is your reach like what is your engagement like those are real things that i talked about with sponsors in the past few months and it's actually something that they're looking for and because of that if you don't think it's worth following this person that's also a detriment to their their business model in terms of what they're able to talk to sponsors about so yeah i'm a big advocate for boosting people as much as you can on the gram because every conversation I've had with sponsors, it's like top of mind for them as much as I hate to say it. And it, it is a necessary evil. It's like the thing we talk about, like, oh, it's, you know, don't tell only all the good stuff on Instagram and make sure you're sharing all of it. And, and who cares if your following's not that big, like post what you want. Then you get on these conversations with sponsors that are like, well, your reach isn't good enough. So we're dropping you next year. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Like, I thought we were all in this together of, like, social media is not that important. And then, and then it is. So, yeah. That's and then my, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my push for this year is take it with a grain of salt, but boost all of these women as much as you can on the gram. I think that's just a, a really important piece to think about that we, we have to be reminding ourselves of that all the time as women, even. Like, yeah. I, I think we are hardest on each other too. And that's, that's a mistake that we're making. You know, we, we, you, you've got to support women, period. Women have to support women. Um, and, you know, from, from my perspective, it's like, you need to follow these accounts, period. Like just follow them. It's, it's right. not that hard. And it helps, it helps all of us out by just raising awareness and supporting other women that are out there doing this journey. Um, not just this journey, any journey, honestly, not just cycling, just anything that's any sort of business savvy, you've got to be, it's an important piece of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I've had some conversations with a handful of sponsors telling them like that they also have an opportunity to help the women grow because some sponsors have huge followings and, and their argument might be like, well, this person doesn't have enough followers or not enough reach. And you're like, yeah, but you can give that to them. <laughs> like, have you thought about that? Like, if you give them the opportunity to tell their stories, do the collab posts on the gram so that more people see them, then they have a reason to follow them and you both grow. Like, it's not a hard concept, <laughs> um, but hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> well, it is interesting. I put this challenge in a newsletter a few weeks ago and I, I actually did this several years ago. Actually, it was after 
Mid-South when they didn't cover the women three years ago and they covered the men and they were like, how did we know? We couldn't have known. Like it was muddy. I'm like, oh, you kind of always know that the women's race is behind the men's race. Um, do better. But um, and they have. But, you know, like three years ago, I went through and I audited all these brands, social media accounts. Like how far down do you have to go to find a woman? And what percentage mm-hmm. of the posts, Christy's doing it right now. What percentage of the posts are women? Um, and so then I was like, well, let's see what's changed. It's gotten a little better, but you're still going to have like one woman for every like five or six photos you see of a man. And a lot of times you'll have to scroll down like 12, you know, to find a woman. And then, you know, add to that, like people of color or people in different body types or any of the things that we talk about. And so, um, brands still definitely have a type that they cater to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it we're just in such an interesting time and space right now where I want to get all of these companies more aware of the fact that it's not not like I'm saying it's their responsibility, but they have such a chance to help elevate women. And I had a really awkward but necessary conversation with Pete Stetna back in like 2020. And we were talking about women's stuff or some drama that was happening with an FKT that he was doing. And somehow we got on the conversation of like, I was like, Pete, you are in a position where you can help 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 elevate all of the stories of these other women doing these things. And I think it was kind of an aha moment for him. I was like, if you're sharing this stuff on your page of all the stuff that other women are doing, like then more people are going to see it. And it had something to do with a woman that was doing the FKT thing or some sort of story that had come out. Um, and yeah, I just had to get on the phone with him and I was like, listen, man, you're in a position where you can help push the stories of these other women as well because you have such a huge following so I was like do that (laughs) so that's I think you know he does the the women's prize purse at his race um so he does a lot of you know I think since that conversation he's realized he is in a position to be able to help elevate women and I hope more of the men see that too you know it's like a lot of a lot of teams will be like two guys and one girl or a mostly men's team with like one chick And it's like all of these guys can help tell the story of this girl so much. Maybe next year they'll have an even split team or something like that. But um, yeah, a lot. There's a lot of men that don't realize they're in a higher position of power to help elevate these stories. And I hope, I hope that they do. And it's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy. (laughs) It's so easy. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like you were saying, you're talking about equality and like prize person sponsorship dollars and stuff. There's so many races I finished before, and I'm like. I got fifth. This guy got fifth. This guy makes way more money than me for sure. <laughs> and like, it's not even a question. And that's just how it is. And like, I, and I hope we can get to a point where that's, that's not the case, just that it, it like a stark contrast from a sponsorship standpoint and that it does become more even. Um, but yeah, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys a lot of the guys talk about money and sponsorship and like how much money there is in gravel right now. And I have this theory that the they all just like talk it up because it helps them. So I was wondering if you think that 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 is at all true or like they're not that they're all like conspiring, but they've all realized the more that they talk about how much money there is and they're making, the more brands will believe that and like pay to that value. Do you think there's anything to that theory? I think there's some men making some really good money in gravel. I do too. Okay. 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 I do. I do. I think that, yeah, I think there's some sponsorship dollars. 
it's it's frustrating and it's also um in in all honesty like if like it it's exhausting a bit cuz i do think that gravel is like i i wrestle with it because i see it and i know we do better than other platforms other sports like truly we do but that doesn't mean it's good like it's just better that doesn't mean it's you know what i'm saying it's like yeah um i look at like what the women in golf have to go through and i'm like fuck that like it's so bad yeah you know so like i can step back and look at it and be like we're doing pretty good but the but the truth is just that it is still very unequal um and there's also going to be, I mean, I guess really where I would need to see the true comparison is the super top tier. Um, and I think the super top tier for men, there's more room for more men there than there are for women. And so that's, I think when you get to that certain level, it's probably pretty equal. The pay that's there, the the sponsorship dollars and whatnot is pretty equal, but just like you said earlier, you'll have a team of five guys and one woman where that's kind of where we're not there yet. Um, yeah, but, yeah. um, I think there's some cultural things that play into that though. I think the guys are probably a little more bold in asking and they probably ask for more. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably put, um, like kind of with some audacious plan. They're like, of course, somebody's going to fund this. You know, we talked about, I think you and I, Amanda, one of our text message streams were talking about, if I hear see one more video of like a, another white guy on YouTube about his inspiring ride. And, and that came a lot from when I was sitting in the finish shoot at Big Sugar. And like, I knew who was media, who's actual media there. He was covering stuff for a brand. And there were a lot of people that were covering brand stories about men. And so then when Paige crossed the finish line, it looked like there was nobody there. And I was like, oh, and so somebody, somebody from head cycling walked up to me and said, where are all the media? And I said, those were actually brands that were covering, they were creating YouTube videos or stories or campaigns around men. Like the media are actually here. There's just like a much smaller handful of the actual media. Yeah. So, you know, like then you're elevating the same stories and then the same people are like, oh yeah, there's another story about a white guy riding his bike in a beautiful place. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, even we're like, not just saying white guys, we like white guys, but you know what I mean? <laughs> they just get more opportunities. It's like, just because we're saying this doesn't mean that we don't want that. It's that it's that we want that too. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just want, I just want more of the opportunities for the women. Cause I mean, even just looking at the start list for BWR Arizona, you're like, okay, maybe these top eight women make enough money to be bike racers. But you look at the men, you're like, mm, there's like 20 of them plus that make enough money to be bike racers. That is what needs to even out, in my opinion. Because it's like most of these other women are just like scraping by to race. I'm like, how can we make sure the brands are talking to eight through 20 on this list here and making sure that they have the support to go race because the more that that will happen, then the more that women will want to race and put themselves out there to do those things and try to get that attention. And that was why I really wanted to push that at, at Belgian Wall Fried this weekend. And that first post I made, I was like, here's the top 20 that I think are going to be in contention. 
And there were so many sticker taps on those Instagram handles. And I loved it because I was like, yeah, nobody knows who these people are because they they race their bikes, but nobody talks about them. And and meanwhile, the guy's getting 20th at BW Arizona. You'll get like a full ride report and everybody will know what what happened to them. But yeah, it's yeah, I want to push those stories more because I think that there's a lot of opportunities. And for any of the brands or sponsors listening to this as well the women in that midfield to bottom field as well, like any of those women who are trying to race in that space, like sponsor them. They have a huge opportunity to tell their story and you get a ton of good juju from that of being able to help elevate that, that woman as well. So yeah, we're all in this together. I think people just need to take more risks on storytelling and telling the right stories at the moment. Wonder if there's anything, any way to do almost more of an official study of like the the Grand Prix athletes because we have kind of a very similar like things are kind of controlled. You know, we know that the prize purse is the same. We know we're taking the same number of women. We know that we're going to insist on media coverage being as similar as we can possibly make it. So maybe there's a case study there. I keep, I'm thinking of Aaron Ayala, who, you know, does studies. Like maybe there's a way to kind of look to see where some of that rub is happening so that we know more officially and not like, I think we all have a kind of an idea, but at the same time, it's something that I feel like I've been butting my head against for years. And it, again, it's better, but it's still not good. Um, and I think about those those women that are, you know, kind of like you said, 10 and down versus the men that are 10 and down. Like, you know, those are still professional athletes that are super strong writers and have great stories. And yeah, um, I don't know, maybe there's Aaron, if you're listening, controlled environment, (laughs) if you have some free time on your hands. Well, I knew Amanda was pulling some stats. Like you pulled all Mm -hmm. how many followers, Instagram followers, the men and the women have. I think like you said, the women improved by 20% their Mm -hmm. Instagram following last year. So it'd be official. It would be cool. Even if like asking them, how much do you make in a year on sponsorship? And like, not honestly tracking that, right? Yeah. And money's so awkward. Like I know people feel uncomfortable having those conversations and probably women more than the men, honestly. Um, But at the same time, maybe if we do talk about it, it could be better, you know, perhaps so. I think, yeah, it's a really touchy, but also interesting conversation from a business standpoint. And I always look at it about the health and the longevity of the discipline. Like, I think the Mm -hmm. more that we can have those conversations, the better. And there are brands that just maybe won't even know how much bang for your buck you could get by sponsoring the women and what that could look like, essentially. And I think one of the things I talked to Michelle and Kimo about when we did the episode about the Lifetime Grand Prix series, I was trying to get them to see that there's like an, an a huge value in that media stuff that they can offer the women. They can offer any of the people from 11th to 30th because those people, especially on the women's side, might not make enough money to do this for a living. But if you give them the exposure, in theory, they can take that to other brands and say like, well, I'm in this thing and 
I gained this many followers that I had this much reach last year because I'm in this series. And then somebody will give them the money for that. So I think like the more that everybody who has these huge followings sees how they can help grow it for everyone, I think the better off we'll be because there is still that, um, that opportunity for growth, in my opinion. I, I think you have a job you could do. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been like, <laughs> the, well, it's, it's, but it's one of those things where it's, you know, cause uh, obviously that conversation came back to the full team and we were discussing it and, you know, there's, there's a lot of requests that come in to the lifetime team on the things we can do. Right. Which makes sense. They sh- that's totally what we're there for. But sometimes we boil it down to like, what, what do we do? What are we doing? What are we here to do? And it's to put on these events and make sure the coverage is equal. Who then is the, who are the right partners to make sure that next piece is happening? Because I think, you know, maybe there's a PR company that just does women like focuses, you you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's like helping with a company that comes and does events. Yes. But I'm talking about like represent, representing women and, and like in contracts, cause I, you know, Paige Onweller calls and it's like, I need help. I don't know how to ask for money. I, and she's calling me and I'm like, I, ah, I, I, you know, I know how to help you get the exposure and then somebody needs to pick up the ball from there. You know, you know what I mean? Like, cause we, we literally have to boil it back, your your dial it back and and boil it down to being like, okay, that is a huge, great idea. And we love it. We don't have the bandwidth and we try to do the things we do and do them well, but that's still a a great idea. Who does that? And so I know we put together kind of a list of resources for a lot of those athletes, but from there, it's like that ball needs to be picked up by somebody else. And that's kind of also what lifetime is hoping for is that as we are growing um, the professional side of this sport in the United States, we need the industry to grow with it. Like the part we do is this, what else is there now? So, I mean, I, your commentary was heard loud and clear and, you know, we'd all been kind of talking about it too internally. And it really came down to chemo going, we got to talk about this guys. That's not what we do. We don't have, I mean, we talked about producing our own show for this whole series at one point. And it's just like, you know, we all were super stoked about it because we we're thinking about how we could really do it and how we could really do it really well. And then we're like, we don't, like, this is not what we do. Like, <laughs> wow. so, but no, it, it, I mean, it's great. Like, so who, who does that? This is an opportunity. There's a business opportunity here um, as well with all of it. Um, to live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? 
which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. And when it gets better, for a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. Okay, well, I do want to um, shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about the season because I do think you have your pulse on things. And so if you think about the big races, so some of, probably a lot of them are the Grand Prix, but there's some that aren't inside the Grand Prix. Like who should we have our eye on this year? Do you think like who's going to do well? Who do you think like maybe is a dark mare that we don't know about that we're going to be seeing a lot of like, give us, give us Amanda's thoughts on the season. Uh, I mean, my first, so my rookie pick of the year is Annie Yamauchi because she came out with a bang, winning Rock Cobbler and getting second this weekend at BWR Arizona. Um, she is the girlfriend to Christopher Blevins, so she has a very strong riding partner to go ride with and train with. And I think, uh, being on the team with Katarina Nash has a lot of resources at her disposal to hit the ground running honestly and that's the opportunities that she's been given in this past year is the stuff that I wish more women had the the chance to just like jump into and go with complete confidence and I think because of that and the stuff that she has going around her I think upstairs is just in a really healthy place for her to just go and smash it and not worry about anything else so I'm really interested to see how she does. She loves mountain biking more than anything, but I, you know, she's going to do well at the gravel events. <laughs> um, Sophia Gomez Villafane obviously is going to come into this year with maybe not a chip on her shoulder, but something to prove. You know, I think she wanted to win the series last year and was not happy that she didn't. And because of that, my guess is she's coming to into this with the goal to do it and to not let anything get in her, in her way and not to have any excuses or anything like that. Um, Lauren DiCrescenzo being in the series this year is going to be a wild card, as crazy as that sounds. But because we don't know exactly she how she'll... She's just starting to mountain bike. Literally. Yeah, exactly. Because we don't know like her mountain bike skills. We're going to have no idea, especially with Sea Otter being the first race. So we'll see there. Uh, Rebecca Faringer, I think, has the potential to move much higher up than she did this past season because she just did not race to her potential last year. Um, and yeah, there's a couple. Deanna Males, I think she's the one that works at SRAM, right? When I was going through the list, I was like, I cannot wait to see how she does because she's like an engineer at SRAM and obviously knows how to crush it on the bike. So she's like my pay attention to rider on the women's side. But honestly, all of the rest of these women, it is the fact that there's 30 this year too, it just, who knows what's going to happen, but those were the standout ones that I wanted to talk about. And obviously, because we have some anecdotal evidence on there since they've been racing in this past month. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my quick take. Yeah. I'm curious. What do you, how do you think that um, Heather Jackson is going to do when she's never mountain biked and two that she's also doing Western States and some massive trail runs. 
she is the kind of person that is going to give 120% no matter what it is. So I think she is going to go into it like she wants to win regardless. And because of that, she'll, she'll mix it up pretty well. I think even though she doesn't really mountain bike, like she's done enough of the gravel events to have some sort of skill. She did some cyclocross racing, so it's not like completely foreign to her. Like it might be for LDC, for example, but um, she's also super athletic. I mean, she's just, she's just an athlete. Not that Lauren isn't, but there's just a difference of caliber as far, you know, from that perspective. I just heard her on a podcast because, you know, she got she just got second at a big trail running event, which she already had her tickets at Western States because of Hoka, but she would have qualified. And um, they're asking her how she trained. And she's basically still doing bricks. She's like, well, I'll just do like an 80 mile bike ride and then I'll run hard for an hour. And that th- you could t- they were like, what? What? All the tra- like they've never heard of anything like this before, like the trail runner people. Um, so it's, it was interesting to hear her and I was, I'm curious because Western States will be two weeks after Unbound. So it'll be an interesting, like, how does that training mix together for an event? Yeah. All of these women, what is awesome is that they all have huge engines for sure. And if you look at the men, it's the same thing. They all have massive engines. And what it ended up coming down to last year is like skill and technical prowess, I would say. And because of that, you know, when things got technical, that's when those riders had a little bit of an advantage. And when you're racing 30 other people, that little bit of an advantage is what gets you the extra points to win. So, um, yeah, like Haley Smith talked about it. I had her on Grodio and she's talking about how like it wasn't nothing was really that technical, but the stuff that was that was when it mattered. So for I think a lot of these riders that technical aspect and like racing smart as well and taking care of yourself is going to come into play uh, but yeah anytime it gets spicy on the descending or you're at hour eight to nine ten and maybe you haven't really experienced what that feels like it's those like little things of experience that are going to make the difference this year whether that's in the Grand Prix or BWR series or whatever it is people are racing yeah. Do you think the rad will change, change the standings in the uh, Grand Prix or have the potential? Cause you're adding another gravel. So you could, if you're not a good mountain biker, you could drop one. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And because it's kind of at altitude, it's higher, right? So it's mm-hmm. another yeah advantage to the higher blood cell, red blood cell count riders. <laughs> that course is beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's just really pretty, but it's not, I mean, it's obviously not technical. There's it's just not technical. There's mm-hmm. one section, but nothing technical really on that one. It's a bit um, SBT, but uh, I think it's prettier. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Amy Charity. <laughs> well, but there you go. If you didn't get to SBT and you're looking for a race, go to the RAD. The RAD is great. It's so. still open. It still has spots open, right, Christy? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I like about it too. It's not, it's not huge, which. Okay. Well, speaking of a race that looks absolutely beautiful. Yes. Every time I see the pictures from yours, Amanda, I'm like, is that even real? How could that be real? Um, so you have finally, you finally got to have your race last year as it was the first year, correct? And so you'll yes. be coming back for year two. So 
Um, I know we talked about it three years ago, if people are remembering that, but tell us about that event and the kind of the things that have grown out of it as well. Yeah, it's so Mammoth Tough this year, September 16th, 2023. It is historically the weekend, uh, which used to be Kamikaze Games. So it used to be a huge mountain bike festival that happened there. Everybody's seen pictures of the downhill at Kamikaze Games in the past. And so they used to do a huge mountain bike festival and that slowly disappeared. And the weekend before was always traditionally the Mammoth Grand Fondo. And so now Mammoth Tough is the following weekend, and there's also the Mammoth Trail Fest the weekend after us. So the town of Mammoth Lakes is really pushing for September to be this like endurance month where traditionally it would be dead in like a shoulder month. They're really trying to get more of that vibe of like, if you're an athlete, you should be in Mammoth in September, essentially, is the story they're trying to tell. And it's been great since the year of the wildfires. Like, I think with the massive storms this year and how healthy the mountains are going to be with all the water that we're getting, it's on track to be okay. And I think the wildfire stuff that we were dealing with uh, because of the drought was very situational, even though everybody was like, it's going to be like this every September forever. It lo- It's looking like it's not, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but yeah, that's... September 16th this year, we're making it kind of a more of a weekend um, to come out and spend the weekend there in Mammoth instead of just one day. And yeah. Is there a beer run? Do I remember that from your website too? Yes. Yeah. Friday. On Friday, there's a beer run. It might not be the smartest choice, but it's definitely the most fun. <laughs> uh, and we have, yeah, and we have three distances, the short, medium, and long course, tough, tougher, and toughest. And fun fact, last year, the short route was actually our highest registered category. And we had a ton of like first time gravel riders, which made me really nervous uh, because like my thing was going to be their introduction to this discipline, you know, Uh, but it was awesome. (laughs) I think I can't think of a better person to have as an introduction. I know, but it's yeah, it was a lot of pressure. I was like, oh, man, these people like (laughs) this is going to be their definition of gravel is their first experience. So everybody had a lot of fun. I was, I was really glad that that was the case. You know, Dave and I have been doing this for so long. We just took all of the aspects of every gravel event we've ever loved and tried to throw that together into a good experience for people. And if they, if there were a lot of first timers that felt comfortable enough to come to Mammoth sight unseen, you know, with like no word of mouth on how it actually is, I'm really proud of that because that means I gave people enough information to feel like they could do it. And for a lot of events, like that's really the secret to getting more people, I think, involved is like just sharing a little bit more of the expectations about the event. And then more women especially will feel more confident to sign up and feel like it's something that they can do. So that was one thing we really tried was like, tell people as much as we can about all of these distances and what to expect so that they come into it with complete confidence that they can do it. So I hope, I hope that's the vibe we can continue with Mammoth Tough. Um, yeah. And what's that short distance? How long is it? 40, just under, just under 45 miles or so. Okay. So that is a good, that's a nice, like you need to train a little if you're doing your first events, but it's not like you have to just spend all your time training if you're doing a hundred and some or something. Yeah. Yeah. And every distance is different. So that was another thing is they're completely different sections of the Valley and 
So once you do one, you feel like you can graduate to another and have a different experience than just like 30 more miles of the same route kind of deal. Um, But yeah, so I hope, I hope it can continue like that and people feel like they want to come ride with us. (laughs) Yeah. And you also do camps, tough camps, right? Yes. Yeah. And like I said, we wanted to start that earlier, but because of everything going on with trying to get the event off the ground, we couldn't really convince anyone that it was as worthwhile. But now that we have established that Mammoth Tough is indeed a tough event, I think people have realized that it would benefit them to come to a camp and learn a few more skills, figure out how to take care of themselves a little bit better and be successful. And that's one thing that Unbound has always done a really good job at, in my opinion, is giving folks the opportunity to learn from the best, learn from all of these people that have made mistakes in the past and know how to do it well and give the best piece of advice to be successful. And the more that we can all do that in gravel, I think the the healthier the discipline will be because it is not an easy thing to just jump into. And it is, you, we always have to take a step back and remind ourselves that it is like a really intimidating thing to go do like adventure off and take care of yourself like that's scary (laughs) so the more that we can like help people see that they can do it like I think the more people will get into it and keep riding gravel forever yeah I think it's that's a super great point and it's one of those that I have to remind myself of that on some level almost every year because I'm like I cannot answer a question about tires one more time yeah (laughs) Because, but then I'm like, wait, oh, this is somebody new. So of course they don't know about tires. Yes. But you know, for me, I'm like, how do you not know about tires? I talk about tires all the time, Right. <laughs> but you know, it's, that's not fair. It's, it's always new people, hopefully coming into yeah. the sport that well, gives us I a find chance to. I have a lot of conversations about nutrition, which coming from triathlon kind of surprised mm-hmm. me, but I think because, you know, gravel has a little bit more of that, like be there for the experience vibe you kind of put that, that to the side, but you're like, the experience is a lot more fun if you're actually fueled properly. Yes. Take care of yourself. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, if you're properly fueled and hydrated, you have a lot more fun on your experience. <laughs> yes. So um, I think those that you're right, having those opportunities to learn, it makes you better, not only at a specific event, but just an all around rider. And you feel more confident going out and taking on whatever you want to take on, uh, whether it's a race or just, like I'm going to go ride this epic long ride in my, you know, backyard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You guys do a great job of like telling the stories and showing the women can do this right period. They they're in this space. They can do it. You guys are doing a great job of that. And I think that the more that all of these women hear these stories and feel confident, then they will get their friends to see that and feel like it's something that they can do. I've just had so many conversations with race promoters and they're like, how come like our women's participation is so low? And I'm like, cause your thing is scary. Like what you're doing is scary. And (laughs) you forget that. Yeah. You forget that like a woman's going to look at this and be like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to do this thing that you guys keep calling like stupid and badass and all this stuff. Like you're not making it seem fun or welcoming whatsoever. And the more that you can, tone it down a little bit and show women that they can do it, the more they'll sign up. But right now you're not doing that. <laughs> Every single race promoter that reaches out to me, they're like, I can't get any women to sign up. And I'm like, uh, your race is like the death Valley hardest race ever. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, and there's no pictures of smiling women in your 
So anyway, Claire has a, uh, Claire Colbert wrote a great article that's on Girls Gone Gravel about how to get more women to your start lines. If anybody's interested, we've got a lot of, a lot of commentary came in about that race um, or that article. I mean, um, well, it's so fun to catch up with you. Tell people where they can find information about Mammoth Tough and about you if they want to follow you. Yeah, so we actually just launched the new website is tough.ventures, B-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. And all of our information about Mammoth Tough and the beer run is there, as well as all the camps that we're doing. We have two that are in Kansas this year with Bobby Thompson's events. Um, So we're really excited about those. I get to come to Kansas for, like, it's an excuse to come to Kansas, basically. (laughs) So I'm stoked about that. Um, and yeah, all the information is there, tough.ventures. We're also Mammoth Tough on Instagram and Tough Ventures. If you type in Amanda Panda, you'll probably find me as well. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time today, Amanda. We really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.